Hello and welcome to the NC podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I am the host of this podcast and the founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its awesome services. It has standalone programs, the members club where you can come and build a profitable property portfolio that completely aligns with your goals. I do consultancy and one-to-one coaching as well. So if you want to find out more about that, head on over to ncrealestate.co.uk. And whilst you're there, the one thing that I would want you to take away from it at the moment is when you arrive at the website, you get the pop-up called the master spreadsheet, download, that's the right, your name and your email in the pop-up because I'm going to send you my master spreadsheet so that you can start getting really organized in your property portfolio. Go over there and do that, ncrealestate.co.uk. So how are you guys doing this week? Are you all right? I am going to do a couple of weeks of podcasting, which is slightly different from my usual really hard hitting property stuff, because I think that everybody needs this a little bit. Have you been feeling like you are overwhelmed with the industry and all that goes on? Probably. Okay, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about some other things I think actually will help you with your property investment journey. First up before that, let me tell you what's been going on in my property investment journey. So currently focusing on the development that we're doing in New Jersey, that's now going really, really well. If you've been following me on Instagram at Natasha C. Collins, you will see some of the progress that we are making. Literally within the last couple of weeks, the building is looking beautiful. Um, All of the insides have been fully insulated. We actually took down the facade on the front of the building and all of the balcony because we wanted to make sure that we had enough head height to get two cars in at the front. We're also going to put two cars in at the back. There's going to be two condos in this building. So we we just wanted to make sure that we were giving each property or each condo um, two parking spaces. So we took out the balcony. But what that has meant is that we now have these gorgeous black brick stairs up to the first floor, a new balcony, and then we've got matching cladding that goes on the outside. Now, for all of you who are listening from the UK, don't worry, this isn't the unsafe fire stuff. No, this is just the cladding that when you're building a house in America, they put on the front to make it look fancy. It actually does not do too much, a little bit of insulation, but behind that there is um, brick and the frame of the building anyway but it makes the property look really modern and very sleek so it's like a black and gray exterior up to the second floor and then above that um, I think it's going to be a white upper parts but it looks beautiful and the changes are fantastic so as of probably around the third week of September we are going to be uh, then fitting out with fixtures and fixtures fittings on the inside everything else will be done the interior designers go in in the first couple of weeks of October and it goes on the market at the end of October the agent has already been instructed so the whole idea is to get this done 
by the end of December so that it's sold whoever's buying it can move in there we go that development is done and dusted so it's exciting it's in the good stages of looking pretty good so I'm really excited about that project um one of the things that I will talk about shortly is the fact that we're actually moving out of the city at the end of September and so I'm not actually going to see the finished product but give me a second I'll come back to it the other thing that I'm still dealing with is that leasehold tribunal for the property in Notting Hill in London that drags on at the moment all of the leaseholders are doing the section c 20 notice or the c20 notice which means that we are trying to get out of paying um, any of the costs for the tribunal everybody in the building has to be involved on that notice it's vital otherwise the notice doesn't stand so everybody has to be in agreement that they don't want to pay the cost of the tribunal which the freeholder and the head leaseholder could put through our service charges. Now, the one thing that we have is we have a letter from the head leaseholder saying that they were not going to put the cost of this through our service charge. That's from 2014. So we're hoping that stands, but putting this notice together, serving it on the tribunal, this will help the tribunal in the decision-making for the costs. That's really, really important. Um, because quite frank frankly, none of this is the leaseholders doing. We just want the damned roof fixed. And this has been going on for seven years. Fix the damn roof. Like who's arguing about it? Just someone do a damn roof and reclaim the cost from our service charge. We were expecting that anyway. But no, they have to drag it on, drag it on. Anyway, tribunal, the next hearing is on the 21st of September. It goes on, guys. It goes on. Uh, it's not particularly stressful, though. As per me telling you the last couple of weeks, whew, the judge said that the, the leaseholders were actually nothing to do with this. It was between the head leaseholder and the freeholder. So they need to just get it together and sort it out. Grown men at war with each other, having dick swinging contests. It's pathetic. Seven years. Should not take seven years. And excuse my language, but that is pretty much as ridiculous as it's going to get unfortunately um if you are a leaseholder occasionally if you have a i guess an, a bad block manager this gets really frustrating so if you're buying leasehold do reviews of who the block management company are and if they are terrible and I'm not going to say the name on this podcast because I don't need anybody coming after me for slander. But once this is all done, potentially, depends on what happens, I will say something. But please read about what's been going on. Um, if you've been following leasehold scandal, follow who the block managers are. And you. I'm pretty sure that you will figure out who the bad block managers are and just stay away but as I said it's not particularly stressful you'll probably remember from me ranting on about this months ago before we had any incline of a pandemic coming in that um I made I did self-help measures for my flats my flat's perfectly dry not getting impacted about this at all so all it is is a bit of a time sap every time those emails come through but apart from that it's not really affecting me at all so it's not stressful providing you take 
step back and are like, okay, well, really, what is this doing? Nothing. All right. So I don't, I still don't believe that leasehold is a bad thing. I just think sometimes if you get bloody minded people on your property portfolio, it's annoying. And for people who think that I'm generally quite a nice, easygoing person, when it comes to bad property management, I am not. I am a bit of a monster if it comes to my property and you're causing damage to my property. So I also try and take a step back because I've definitely made my feelings known that I'm not happy with the uh, process and how they manage things. So that will, again, go through a formal complaints procedure. I really hope that they're stripped of any regulation that they've got. Really hope, really hope that the government stops funding them. Maybe I'll go that far. Not today, though. Today, <laughs> I am going to talk to you, as I said, we'll go back a topic. So at the end of September, Chris and I and our little cat Oscar and our little dog Summer are moving down to Charleston for the winter. We have got a lovely, lovely lake house, which is also very close to the beach. And we're going to take some time out really important we haven't been able to go anywhere obviously not many people have been able to go anywhere we are in a pandemic but our lease is coming to the end at the end of September yes we do have a lease on a property in New York there is no point buying anything out here it's just far too expensive you don't get the returns so we have been spending a significant amount of our income on rent whilst New York City is closed and we have exhausted everything that we want to do and winter is coming. We kind of made the decision that it's not the place that we want to spend the winter. Now, as most people will know, and if you don't, we are stuck in this country because of the whole visa situation that is going on from the government and the president of this fine country um so because we don't have we have non-permanent visas so we are here for a specific amount of time then we have to go home those visas have been cancelled and if we were to go home we can't get back into the country because they're not the border's not open for our visa class at the moment so we have to stay which isn't particularly the end of the world um it's a little bit frustrating that we can't go and see our families. But if, even if we came back to the UK, we'd still have to quarantine for a couple of weeks and we wouldn't know when we'd be able to come back. We need to stay here for Chris's job because he needs to keep his job. So we have made the decision that we are going to last it out until the beginning of January and then we will make fresh decisions at the beginning of January, especially because we will know which way this government will be run. That's as far as I'm getting involved with that. Um, so, yeah, we're moving. It's quite exciting. Uh, we're going to go and see another part of the country, the south. Very much looking forward to it. Looking forward to having a massive lake house for a couple of months. Cannot wait for that. And so that means that we have been... Uh, going through everything that we've got in our apartment and sorting it out because it's all going to go into storage for three months, go into storage in New York and we'll pick it up once we decide where we're going in January and 
you know, exciting. But that has meant that we're, as we're packing and we're sorting, I've been going through all of the stuff that we've had. Now, when we moved out to America, um, Chris's employer literally sent the movers to pick pack everything up as was and deposit it in our new apartment in New York as was. So they're taking pictures and um, uh, kind of like an inventory of everything that we had and where it was and what shelf it went on and how it was positioned so that we felt right at home when they moved everything across the Atlantic. So they insisted on putting everything back up in exactly the same way. But prior to moving out here, we had sorted out a lot of things. Now, if you know me, I am a book lover. I read all the time. And especially during the pandemic, I've got really back into travel books and um, reading about adventures around the world just because it has helped my, it's helped quell my thirst for traveling. I love to travel. I love to see new places and not being able to go on holiday Oh, I know it's a very privileged thing to say, but I miss it. I really, really miss it. So um, I've been doing a lot of reading, but I also have a lot of books that I keep with me and that I will continue to travel with. There are certain books which the minute I've read them, I'm like, I'm going to give those away and I'm going to give them to someone else and I hope that they enjoy them. And there are some books which I just can't part with. And I thought that I would share those books with you today because they have been vital on my growth and my learning and staying the course when things get tough because things get tough for everybody. So I wanted to share why they mean something to me, why I picked them up in the first place and why I keep hold of them. And I'm going to share with you some extracts from them so that you can see why they're just so amazing. Now, there are a couple of other books that I didn't bring with me today because I think I talk about them a lot. Um, Feel the Fear and Doing It, Do It Anyway. I've talked about that a lot on this podcast as one of the books that I keep with me. And then I have some other kind of workbook type things that I have laying around, um, but they haven't made as much of an impact. In fact, they might go on the pile to go to be donated to charity or Uh, given out to friends if they would like to read them. But these books seriously have um, made a huge difference. And I'm going to put the link to all of these books in the show notes below so that if you want to go and check them out yourself, you can. I will share what I've learned and the growth that I've achieved because of it. So if you don't want to read them and just take those kind of examples, be my guest. So the very first one that I've got is She Means Business by Carrie Green. And this isn't a really well-known book. And I only came across it because uh, Hay House, who were the publishers, were doing a £1 sale. And then I saw that it was one of their books. And then when I was in Waterstones in Putney, I was going through all of the business books and I saw this book and I thought, do you know what? I'm going to pay full price for it. I know that's mad, but I do think that if people have written books, they should deserve to get all of the commission from the book. Now, Carrie Green, if you have not um, 
not come across her before. She runs the Female Entrepreneurs Association, which I joined as a result of reading this book. It is a massive members club and it um, has over 5,000 members in the members club. Very impressive. And she tells a story in this book of how she has built her business from the ground up and what she did and the ways in which she has uh, achieved that. Now, she's only a couple of years older than me. So for me, it's like, wow, this woman has done incredibly well. And now she's got kids, so she's really worth a follow. But one of the things that stood out to me is the fact that she was the first English entrepreneur that I'd come across who also believed in manifestation and kind of doing things to map out your goals and then going for them. And I've heard this a lot from a lot of American authors and some of it's a bit too woo-woo for me to get on board with, but she says it in such a down-to-earth way. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, well, if she's doing this, maybe there is something in this for me. Let me read you a little bit of this. It's about dreaming and then doing. When I was a teenager, I had a black folder where I stored my ideas and dreams. Inside my folder, I had a picture of a VW Beetle Cabriolet with cream leather interior. I cut out a picture of my face from a photograph and stuck it over top of the model's head. As I was still in school at the time, I photocopied my grade card and replaced my actual grades with the ones I wanted. I altered a bank statement to show millions in my account. The balance was 36 million to be precise, although I have no idea where that figure came from. I printed out pictures of places I wanted to visit, things I wanted to buy. I even put a bottle of perfume in there of how I wanted my life to smell once I was successful. From time to time, I like to take the bottle out and just smell it and feel the feelings of its success. I embodied feeling good, fulfilled, and like I was living the life I was supposed to be living. I was happy and abundant. Now, it, that might sound like, uh, excuse you, what are you saying? But I started putting together goals boards based upon this. And then when Carrie launched her yearly planner, which I cannot recommend enough because it's quite thick, thick and every single day I can plan out my day, plan out my to-do list and my goals and I can get through it all. Those planners also come with a a dream box where you can put everything in it. And I do put sense in there because, oh my gosh, my dream life smells like Joe Malone, Blackberry and Bay. I cannot get enough of that scent. Um, and so I put all of my dreams and my goals in that box. I have my main goals on my dream board at the start of the year but then I put everything else that I find across the year in that box and spray it all with the Joe Malone scent um I also have the Joe Malone candles burning just to remind me and it really focuses your mind it really focuses your mind if nothing else anytime you need to remember what you're doing and why you are doing it going through that box is it just gives me a bit more purpose again because I can get so deep in my own rubbish 
that I feel a little bit like, oh, I don't know why I'm doing this. What's my purpose? So I, I dig back through that and I keep that box on my desk. So that's why I love this book. It Number one, it always motivates me with the members club and how I think about it and the things that I need to do. But number two, it also shows me how to start mapping out what's possible. And that's why I keep this book with me. It's a reminder of how I can keep growing and moving forward. The second book that I have, this is a bit of a toss up actually. I've got all of the ones in this series. It's Jen Sincero, You Are a Badass at Making Money. Master the Mindset of Wealth. If you haven't read Jen Sincero's book, I cannot recommend this one enough. Um, but You Are a Badass is just, you know, that's the starter book, get the starter book, read that. This is the second in the series. And it pretty much goes... Um, goes through everything around wealth creation. Now, I have to be honest and say that there are some parts of the book which I just couldn't get on board with. And I was like, well, how did you get from here to here? And again, she's quite, she's one of these people as well, like Carrie Green, who is really for the manifestation. But she has picked up her life and moved it to a Caribbean island. And it made me feel good when I was picking up my life and moving it from the UK to the US. So it gave me a little bit of comfort there that I could still make money even though I wasn't in my home country. So the reason that I actually love this book is because it kind of goes through the steps that you need to take in order to become wealthy. And again, it's about money mindset. So everybody who's read Napoleon Hill's think and grow rich. This is kind of the softer version of that. I, and this is really controversial, didn't really care much about think and grow rich. I didn't find it that interesting. But this gets on board. It's like how I would speak. It gets really on kind of board about that. So let me read you, let me, let me read you a, a excerpt from this book. So start paying attention and notice if you are repeatedly announcing how much you hate, fear, mistrust money by a language such as, I'm an idiot when it comes to money. I could never afford that. I hate that rich bastard, etc. If you're bad mouthing money, you're going to want to go ahead and knock that off. Your thoughts inspire emotions that inspire action that forms your reality. And so it's about thinking about money in a different way. And this I've read a lot of wealth creation books. I went through a phase of trying to be better with money. Um, I'm, I'm sure I've said to you before in the podcast that what I do is I tend to save up a load of money or I remortgage a property, get a load of money out, just spend it on another property and leave myself at kind of starting point again. Nothing in my savings, no pack up and then I, I go from there. That was how my strategy started when I started property investing. These wealth creation books made me see that I needed a different thought process because I always need to have money in reserves. And so getting on board with this book, You Are a Badass at Making Money, was about changing my mindset and letting me see what was possible. And the fact that when money comes to me, I am actually allowed to keep hold of it. Because I'd come 
up with this strange, 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 strange thing that I thought, and I, I sometimes get back into this cycle, but I keep thinking, oh, well, if I've got money in my account, I need to give it to this person and that person. And ah, I don't know why. Again, it's mindset that I have to work on. But this gave me a very clear guidelines of how I needed to think about money, how I needed to think about the services that I charge for. You know, a lot of us are very guilty of over delivering, but undercharging. And so this started my mindset around, okay, Natasha, how do you need to think about money? How do you think need to think about what you're charging? What is coming into your account and helping me plan and map and be confident in the fact that I, how I do money. And I really do take that into um, my day-to-day life. So this is all money mindset. I'm actually going to go on to the next book, which I cannot recommend enough. And this, this again is, I'm very good with property investment. I'm very good with the strategy. If you need to make a certain amount of money or you want a certain amount of assets, I'm your girl, I'll put together a strategy for you. I like, I love that side of things. I am not a finance expert though. I cannot tell you about um, other investments to put your money in to make money. And then I came across this book. It's called Smart Woman Finish Rich by David Beck. Okay, yeah, firstly, it's a man who wrote a book for women. Okay, just overlook that because the reason that he writes it for women is because he is living this through his grandma's eyes and his grandma taught him how to be rich. The first thing that I learned from him was that if you have a company that you really love and you want to uh, continue supporting that company, so you want to buy from them, if they have shares available to buy, buy the shares so that every time you spend with them, you earn a little bit of money or you earn a percentage if the share price is going up. Okay, that for me, got me so invested in the brands that I love. And Chris and I, between us, we do put a little bit of money into um, shares of brands that we absolutely love using. Really, we do. And, you know, over the pandemic, fine, we lost money with them. But at some stage, it might go up or it might not. But that's the fun of doing it. It's because they are things that we love and we will back. They're not just random things that we've picked from anywhere. Now, you, I'm not a financial expert in, sh- in stocks and shares. I'm not. So I cannot recommend anything for you to invest in. But that was where my journey with stocks and shares started. Now, it's a very American book. So it does talk about 401ks and different types of investing, which we don't particularly do in the UK. But the overall uh, the overall message from this book is about diversifying your income, saving as saving regularly, not trying to put away as much as possible. And it's actually giving you a bit of a financial um, education, which you don't get at school. I wish someone had told me about this when I was like 16 and drummed it into me. The magic of compound interest. Don't, if you're rolling your eyes at this moment, like Natasha, how do you not realize? Again, I do property and I do get 
compound interest from you know when you're paying mortgage interest payments but we look at it as property investors from such a different point of view when I saw this my eyes were like oh I know what I need to do now so here's an excerpt from this book you may wonder what good it will do to put aside less than an eighth of your income if your income isn't very big to begin with but remember Even if you earn what seems to you like a modest salary, the amount of money that will pass through your hands during your lifetime is truly phenomenal. For a quick reminder of just how phenomenal, go back and review the chart on page 26 in step one. Yes, he has charts of how much your money will add up to. Pretty awesome, isn't it? And here's some more good news. The sooner you start saving, the less you will need to put away. Which then takes me to this chart which is building a million dollar nest egg. And when I realized that all I had to do was put away roughly nine pounds of my money a day, or I would have a million dollars in the bank by the time I was 65. Nine pounds a day, that's nothing, not really. When I look at everything else that I like to spend my money on, And so I started. Now, it is me and I do like buying properties. So just do remember that I do invest everything in property. So I did take some of it out after reading this and invested in another property deal. But um, over the last couple of years, I've got very consistent with it. And I do put it in a different account because the, um, the types of funds that he's advising to invest in here couldn't really find something similar in the U in the UK. So I've started putting it in my stocks and shares. ISA roughly does the same thing. Um, but again, please, I'm not a financial expert. I literally just started my financial education when I was reading these books over the last couple of years. And now I have to carry them everywhere as a reminder to me every single time I see this book. I'm like, Natasha, go up your savings. Go and read it again and make sure that you're doing everything that you possibly can to create wealth. Because I do invest in property and there is wealth there, but why not invest in other things too? Um, Chris, my husband, heavily invests in index funds. Loves it. Um, And I think that's a really good idea. And so I've just learned so much, but I'm quite a stubborn person as well. I have to read it from so many different sources before I'm like, okay, fine. You know, Chris will tell me, I told you so. Why didn't you listen when I told you? And I'm like, yeah, I know. Sounded too easy. (laughs) So if you can do anything for your financial education, get this or get the mini book, which is called The Latte Factor, which is just one um, chapter from in here. Even if you are a man, get this book. It's really, really, really insightful. And yeah, as I've said, really helped me on my financial journey building wealth. Um, Next up, great book called Do Less Get More, guilt-free ways to make time for the things and people that matter by Shah Wasmond. Here's what it looks like. I have had this book since I started my business. Now, can I... Can I just 
do a bit of a full disclaimer on this. I was really hesitant as to whether to recommend it because I ran across Shah at a um, conference in Toronto and I wanted to go and say hi and be like, I carried your book around cross continents and she completely blanked me and she was on her own in the corridor. So, yeesh, I don't know. I th- maybe she's nervous. I don't know. I'll give her the benefit of the doubt, but I just wanted to put that out there that I was really impressed by this book. If I was going to write a book, this would be how it would come out. Very impressed. So within the pages of this is how to streamline your business. And she has so many diagrams and so many um, flow charts and check boxes and just you know, everything. Look, you can see this. I know it doesn't, this does not translate very well in a podcast. I'm showing you like images. Um, But it's a really, really good resource where you can just open it at any page. Um, Here's one, the probability of achieving a goal. 10% if you have an idea, 40% if you would do, if you decide you will do it. 50% if you make a plan to do it, 65% if you promise someone else you will do it, 95% if you have a specific accountability appointment with the person to whom you commit. Isn't that awesome? Just all of these things. And that's research that she's got from elsewhere. But it's just so handy to have all of this in one book. Um, so I, I'm going to read another excerpt from this one. And this is about um, making decisions. Often the true value of following our gut instinct is simply in making a decision as opposed to being trapped in endless indecision. We never know exactly what the outcome will be, which can make it hard to just go ahead. And we will always be able to come up with a rational sounding reason why we shouldn't pursue an idea or make a change. Sometimes we get caught up in complications of our own making, while the simplest, most obvious and often most effective choice is staring us right in the face. You know you have made the right decision when there is a peace in your heart and your gut. Simple. That's how you make a decision. (laughs) Um, It's just full of these little, like, really short activities that you can do here's an exercise is it important or just urgent it's about not being on other people's time so what you're doing with your emails I I get trapped in my emails but this gives me ideas of how to get out of being trapped and how to politely say to people hey you know I'll come back to you when I can you know probably not like that but you know in a polite way Such a good resource for business owners, property investors to have on your desk. Honestly, just carry it around with you. Small book, fits in your bag. Um, Yeah, I cannot recommend it enough, seriously. Um, Such, yeah. How to get your career or work to an 8 out of 10. All of these different things that are just so useful. Developing the action habit. The power of simplicity. Like, literally just rules for life. Rules to being a really efficient business person. Like, fabulous. Great book. Final book 
final book that I can recommend. And this is Life Loves You, Seven Spiritual Practices to Heal Your Life by Louise Hay and Robert Holden. I mean, I said before in this podcast that I just didn't want the, I'm not really on board with the woo-woo. But there was a time in my life, 2016, 2015, 2016, where I was so burnt out that my OCD for my thoughts, and if I haven't told you that before, my when I get um, anxious and my mental health is off, I get very obsessive thoughts, very obsessive thoughts. That's how it shows up for me. And I was going through a period of time where I got it into my head that life was going to flash before me like instantly. I was going to go from being 25 to 95 in the blink of an eye, wake up and be on my deathbed. And that was the only thought that was going around my head. And I would, I couldn't sleep because of panic attacks. I was, couldn't eat properly. I kept, oh, it was, it was a really awful, awful mental time for me. Now on the face of things, you wouldn't have known that was going on, but I was in, I was in serious, like I needed help mode. And Whilst at the time I was in counselling and that was great, um, I needed really like just books that were going to soothe my soul. And this was one of them. And I'd listened to a lot from Robert Holden, who if you've ever listened to like a YouTube video from him, I don't know what he's put out recently. This was years ago. He's just got the most soothing voice. He, I think, lived near where I was in Putney at the time as well. Louise Hay, she ran um, Hay House and just was a, a force to be reckoned with. And so this book, as small as it was, just every time I picked it up and opened up to like one of these practices, it just made me feel like there was some kindness in the world. It, it was... It, it just gave me a little bit of hope that I'd be able to get out of this headspace that I was in. And that is why I have to recommend it because I've carried it around with me just because I don't read it all the time. But the fact that you pick up a book and it says life loves you, what a nice affirmation. Um, so even if I've got it on my bookshelf or maybe it's in one of the uh, closets, you know, just picking it up and seeing it just gives me like, okay, I feel good. Let me read, let me read an excerpt from this one as well. Guilt and resentment cannot make amends. Dying doesn't help the living. Forgiveness is the way back to love. Love is what helps you to live again. We don't need to know how to forgive. All we need is to be willing to forgive, says Louise. Saying yes to forgiveness is the first step. When you affirm, I say yes to forgiveness, it activates something in you and a healing begins. Your willingness orchestrates the healing and arranges for you to meet the right people and find the necessary help along the way. As you keep on saying yes to forgiveness, every step of the way, your healing journey takes you from the past into the present and to an entirely new future. Now, yeah, it's a bit weird. But it really encouraged me to keep searching for help and to keep trying to get advice on to why my mental health flared up in such a bad way during that period. 
And actually, that was the start of the change to going out on my own, creating a new life for myself, creating a business, changing everything around. It's almost like looking back on it now, I needed that period of just absolute mental weirdness to get me to where I am now. So these books will always come with me, I think. And they're certainly going to be, they're not going to be coming on the road to Charleston, but they'll certainly be packed up and they'll come to wherever our next landing place is that's more of a permanent place. But from those five books, I learned how to run my business, how to create wealth, and how to soothe my soul. And I need that. Now, you may be surprised that I've just not recommended any property investment books. Well, let me tell you, I'll be very candid with you here. I've been in the property industry for a very long time. I have done master's degrees in it. I have done APC in it, so becoming a a surveyor. I'm an academic, so I also do loads of research in it. When I step away from my day job as a property expert, I don't tend to go for the property books. I tend to reach for other things that are going to help me in other ways that I don't need as much that I do need the learning for and I do need that encouragement like running a business I was a surveyor I never got a business degree I had to learn all of that from the beginning learning how to increase my wealth through other ways of investment I didn't know that I'm only in property so that is fantastic and learning how to soothe my soul and just make myself feel better I don't have any coping mechanisms for that until I really had to start digging deep and trying to figure out, you know, who I was, what I wanted to be and what I was expecting to be and actually what made me feel better. You know, everything is, everybody is different, but I've always loved reading. I can get through a couple of books a week really, really easily. Um, Full disclosure, I read the Meghan Markle and Prince Harry book Finding Freedom in 48 hours last week I read like I just consume books because when I finish for the day I just find absolute respite in just reading and listening to some podcasts but mainly reading because it takes me away from a screen it takes me away from having headphones on or my earbuds in and it puts me in someone else's life and It's really just really therapeutic for me. So that is why I wanted to share these books with you. And I hope that if you pick them up, you find some really good learning in there too. The other one that I did, I was thinking about whether to share, but then I was like, hold on, we did a whole podcast about this um, back at the back end of last year, I think. Do you remember when I did, uh, when I had Alex Sujon Pang on the podcast and we talked about his book, Rest? That again, fantastic book. And I will link that podcast as well because there are so many life lessons in there that adds to these five books about how to condense your life into four working days, not five. And I've really been trying to practice that over the last couple of weeks as well. So I'm going to link that too as kind of the bonus sixth book. There we have it. There is my (laughs) 
the books that I've carried around the world with me and will continue to carry around the world with me because they have helped me so much and thrive as a human. Thank you so much for listening today. If you have liked this podcast, don't forget to subscribe so that you get this into whatever podcast platform you listen on every Tuesday morning. And please leave me a review. I would love that. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, email me and tell me why natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk. If I get any emails telling me about how much you like it, I'll actually start reading these emails out on the podcast to share my love and appreciation that you have listened to it. Thank you for joining me today. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.